Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Trinity. Glad to have you here this morning on this third Sunday of Lent. Glad you are all here. Glad those folks online are here. Uh, the gospel today talks about water and uh, living water and the promises of God in that water. So we're going to sing a little, one more song here during the prelude um, after that lovely bit of Italian Renaissance we heard from Sheila there. Um, this one is from the 20th century, The Water I Give. All who drink the water I give will never thirst again. This fountain springs within bringing life eternal to them. I remember the days of old. I ponder the works of your hand. I stretch out my hand to you. My soul thirsts for you like desert land. All who drink the water I give will never thirst again. This fountain springs within bringing life eternal to them. So the generations to come might know their heirs yet to be born, that they too may rise and tell their children that they should put their hope in God, and not forget the deeds of God, but keep God's commands. All who drink the water I give will never thirst again. This fountain springs within bringing life eternal to them. Before their forebears, God did wondrous deeds, divided the sea before them and brought them through, and made water stand as in a mound. All who water I give will never thirst again. This fountain springs within bringing life eternal to them. Am I early? Okay, we'll start early. Good morning. Does anybody know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Uh, thank you for setting your clocks right. Thank you. We knew this was going to be a bit of a skinny service because the choir sang at the late service and the time change, uh, but we're so appreciative of you coming out this morning. And uh, we're better when we're together, and we really appreciate you coming out. Uh, it's nice and warm in the sanctuary here. Hello to all those folks who are online this third Sunday in Lent as we continue this journey uh, towards uh, Jerusalem, towards Holy Week. 
uh, and ultimately towards Easter. Uh, in that, uh, in, in the rhythm then of that season, our litany today is again uh, a litany of confession and forgiveness. It's really honesty and good news. Uh, it's honesty about our fallen nature, but it's good news about God's forgiveness and the forgiveness that we can extend to each other. So thank you for being here. You'll follow right along in the uh, bulletin. Everything will be projected for you. Pastor Chris is going to bring the message today to us out of a wonderful story from the Gospel of John. And so you're happy to be here. Amen? Amen. If it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering hymn, important words, all are welcome. Continue with our Lenten litany. We have come from our homes. We have come to God's house. We gather with our sisters and brothers. We stand before God. Everyone welcome, everyone equal. We come in brokenness. To the God of healing. We have no secrets from you, Lord. You know our hearts. 
you know our regrets. Against you. Against those we love most. With shattered dreams and broken hearts. With bitterness and despair. You have promised us forgiveness. That we may forgive others. Our hymn of praise, Great is Thy Faithfulness. thanks and praise, Lord God, for your never-failing faithfulness. 
when our lives are broken and our faith is shaky, when doubt overcomes us and troubles greet us at every turn, still you are faithful, you are loving, your arms open to welcome us home. Great is your faithfulness, Lord God. May we worship you sincerely and go forth from this place to serve you by loving others. We pray in the name that is above all other names, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. lesson is from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, we are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. But not only that, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given for us. While we were still weak at the time that Jesus died for the ungodly, Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. More surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more securely having been reconciled, we'll be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we have received conciliation. The word of the Lord. gospel reading this morning, there are questions, questions of identity, questions of uh, discovering who this person is, and uh, this song, I think, speaks to that by Carrie Newcomer.
can't always tell one from another and it's best not to judge a book by its tattered cover i have found when i tried or looked deeper inside what appears unadorned might be wondrously formed you can't always tell but sometimes you just know Round here we throw geodes in our gardens They're as common as the rain Or corn silk in July Unpretentious browns and grays The stain of Indiana clay They're what's left of shallow seas Glacial rock and a mystery And inside there shines a secret bright as promise all these things that we call familiar are just miracles clothed in the commonplace you'll see it if you try in the next stranger's eye god walks around in muddy boots sometimes rags and that's the truth you can't always tell but sometimes you just know some say geodes were made from pockets of tears Trapped away in small places for years upon years Pressed down and transformed till the true self was born And the whole world moved on like the last notes of a song A love letter sent without return address to judge a book by its tattered cover I don't open them to see folks around here just like me we have come to believe there's hidden good in common things you can't always tell but sometimes you just know you can't always tell but sometimes you just know Sheila, uh, for sharing music with us. Uh, after the sermon, it will just stay put, and uh, Carl and Ron are going to share another piece of music with us after the sermon. But now we're going to immerse ourselves in Scripture uh, as uh, we go into the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, 
And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob? who gave us the well, and with his sons and flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us, Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah. Can he? The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hello, friends. Good to be with you this morning. And the title of my message this morning is Building Bridges. Building Bridges. Of all the unnatural wonders on Whidbey Island, the bridge over Deception Pass is unsurpassed. This great engineering achievement began with an idea from Captain George Morris, who sailed through the narrow, turbulent waters called Deception Pass and eventually settling in Oak Harbor. One day he was with his children in Oak Harbor, 
They drove out to the pass and said, one day we will have a bridge across this passage with Pass Island as a center support. Fifty years later, that bridge became a reality, linking three islands together and becoming a terrifying adventure for every pedestrian that dares to walk across it. How many of you have done that, walked across that? You're a daring group. That's why you're here so early, the remnant on this early morning. The encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman is like that bridge in that it connects across some great divides. Jesus knows he is walking into a hornet's nest when he chooses to go from Judea into Galilee through Samaria. Most routes avoided Samaria because of the bad blood between Jews and Samaritans that had simmered for over 700 years. No respectable rabbi would dare take that route, let alone engaging the women, which in that day were considered second-class citizens. This is why Jesus' attitude towards women is so refreshingly radical. Jesus initiates contact, asks for a drink, and then flips the conversation by presenting a source of satisfaction, living water. Literally flowing water, in contrast to the stagnant pools that probably populated the wells in that town. And like so many of Jesus' sayings, this earthly image attracts and provokes towards spiritual realities. But she doesn't get it. She envisions a a new, fresh source of water in a town full of stagnant water, but it's compelling enough. And so she says, sir, where can I get this fresh water? It sounds too good to be true. And Jesus looks at the woman and sees her and knows her well. And with eyes of compassion, asks her about her husband, which she confesses she has many. To which Jesus invites her to see herself honestly in the, in the, in the, in the light of grace. But even though Jesus prompts her in this direction, sometimes, as T.S. Eliot once said, one can only handle so much reality. So the woman dodges this painful question by deflecting to a theological debate of the time about where people should worship. She wants to tie worship to a place, and so the argument went, but Jesus says you can't go there because you can't cage God. It's not a matter of tradition, worship. It's not a matter of locality. It's not a matter of a denomination. Your thinking is way too small. Worship is about a connection to the living God in spirit and in truth. I imagine the woman at this point in the conversation looking at Jesus with glazed eyes, a little bit disoriented. She says to him, Sir, the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he will reveal these things. To which Jesus responds, I am the one. Your Messiah is looking for you, looking at you. In this encounter, we see Jesus building bridge from God's heart to this woman. But to build this bridge, there are some 
some, some substantial, that's not easy to get out, some substantial walls that Jesus breaks down. What are the walls that Jesus breaks down? Jesus breaks down the wall of culture that insulates insiders from outsiders. And history is replete with these. Jews versus Samaritans, North Irish versus South Irish, Israelite versus Palestine, black versus white, Seahawks fans versus 49er fans. Whatever the case may be, history is marked by ancient, thick walls that insulate and exclude. And we call that racism. And of course, racism is not an attitude. It's a denial of access. And this is the bridge that Jesus wants to build. Jesus, from a child, would have been aware of the wall between Samaritans and Jews. But we are told that he had to go to Samaritan, Samaria. But he didn't. There were other routes. He could have gone a different way. He had to go to Samaria. No, he didn't. Why? Because Jesus came down to break the walls that separate. After the Samaritans visit with Jesus at the invitation of that woman, they acknowledge that Jesus is the Savior of the world. It's a remarkable confession coming on the lips of people who have been told for centuries that they're cut off from God's grace. What, what did they see in Jesus that would have elicited this remarkable response? What they saw in Jesus was a love that was big enough, a love that was wide enough, a love that was inclusive enough to embrace the world, a love so big that it must be God. Jesus also breaks down the wall of shame that isolates the worthy from the unworthy. The wall of shame is built from feelings of failure and inadequacy, but it has to be reinforced by the stigmas of others upon those who have failed. This woman has lived inside those walls for quite some time. Five husbands. This is a small village. It is not a large place. Do you not think she was not the talk of the town? You bet she was. That's why she goes to the well during the heat of the day at noon and not when everybody else in the morning would have been there collecting their water. But Jesus never scolds the woman. Instead, gently prompts her to admit her shortcoming. Why? So that she will know unequivocally that she is receiving living water as the real person, that this living water is being offered to a real person. It's not the woman who wears the mask. It's not the woman behind the mask. It's a lonely and hurting woman. It's that woman living in a relational desert who is being offered living water. Now, by breaking down those walls, Jesus then constructs this spectacular bridge across the divide. What is the bridge that Jesus builds? Jesus builds a bridge between shame and God's healing grace. In the story, we find a woman who has been discovered by the healing grace of God. It's not just that she has discovered grace, but that grace has discovered her. And the psychic toll of maintaining the shame of her sin is snapped. 
Jesus has seen the woman behind the mask, and that woman has been loved out of hiding. And this is the good news. God knows me, God seeks me, and God discovers me by grace. This healing grace is not conditioned upon our being cleaned up. It is offered to us when we are a mess. And this is the bridge that Jesus builds between shame, the shame of our sin, and the grace, the grace of God that seeks us out. This good news we find in Jesus when we feel undone and we are met by him in his grace, connecting us to the God who loves to put broken people back together again. Jesus also builds a bridge between my isolation and the community of faith. The woman went to the well in the heat of the day to avoid contact with others. She leaves the well having experienced the grace of Jesus. What does she do? She shares her experience. Come and see the one who told me all about me and my past. Come and see the one who sees the real me, loves the real me, and heals the real me. You see what's going on here? The shame of her isolation has been broken, and a new connection has been established, not just between her and Jesus, her and God, but her and her community. Salvation is never an isolated, individualistic experience, although it is that. It's much more. It connects us to the body of Christ. This is what Jesus does. He meets us, he seeks us, he heals us, connecting with God, ourselves, and others. And then he invites us, just as that Samaritan woman became, a bridge builder. She becomes one of the first witnesses in the Gospels. The women seem to be more responsive to Jesus in the Gospels than the men. The men, they take longer to get. Who are the first ones to go out to the grave? Now, as followers of Jesus, I want us to just give some thought, consider briefly what that might mean for us. We who live in a world of walls that seem very thick and very impenetrable. And let's make this a little bit practical and applicable. I want you to think about somebody you've written off. Someone who hurt you, maybe. Somebody who offends you. Somebody you assume is so far gone that God should write them off also. Somebody you want no part of. Well, that's a wall. And the problem with walls is they trap us inside in as much as they keep others outside. And so maybe it's time for that wall to come down. Maybe it begins with a shift in your prayers from God, make them pay, toast them, give them what they got coming, to more like, God, I don't want to carry this hate anymore. Bless them and give me the grace to extend your love to them. And maybe, after so many others have found, you find that there are opportunities, having prayed that prayer, to extend gestures of grace. A note, a phone call, a simple reaching out. And maybe that's how you put yourself in the path of the gospel. 
It takes time and prayer and the grace of God to bridge where walls have existed. But maybe, just maybe, God is inviting you to build a bridge that God will use to extend his amazing grace to someone you know. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why should I make the move when they hurt me, when they're such an awful human being, so undeserving? Well, the answer to that is because you're a follower of Jesus. And Jesus traveled great distances to connect with the lost, the least, the marginalized, and the hurting. And now he sends us to be his bridge-building ambassadors. And so this is my prayer for us as followers of Jesus. May God's grace and the living waters of the Spirit stir us to build bridges, to connect the lost, the least, and the hurting with the largeness of God's grace. This is the gospel of our Lord. So how is it now that you should suffer in shame? For have we not heard the words that speak release? You are called beyond the terror by the one who knows your name. God's living water brings the truth of grace to our days. Isn't it you, an outcast by our fear? Yes, it's true, you have no welcome here, for you are sprung from different stock than us, and but a woman too. And surely you must know by now that grace is for the few. So how is it now that you should suffer in shame? For have we not heard the words that speak release? You are called beyond the sadness by the one who knows your name God's living water brings the truth of grace to our days isn't it sad the way they live their days the hue of their love it speaks of different ways and yes we've heard the words that Jesus says now what are we to do? How can we accept the way you are? Can there be Christ in you? So how is it now that you should suffer in shame? For have we not heard the words 
that speak release. You are called beyond the silence by the one who knows your name. God's living water brings the truth of grace to our days. So isn't it funny, blinded by a fault, the various ways we hear our Maker's call, and though we seek the way of God to live, we cannot know them all. We walk in faith and worship God in spirit and in truth. So how is it now that we should suffer in shame? For have we not heard the words that speak release? We are called beyond the silence by the one who knows our name. God's living water brings the truth of grace to our days. We are called now into wholeness by the one who knows our name. God's living water brings the truth of grace to our days. You may remain seated, and Ellen's going to come forward and lead us in the prayers today. And our prayers have a sung response, turn it over to Jesus. So at the end of each petition, we'll come back to that sung response, and we begin with that sung response too, as we pray now. Let us pray. by the well. Hear us as we pray. God, you have called us to worship you in spirit and truth. We rise each day to many blessings, and still, often, we thirst. Dehydrated, sometimes without knowing, we thirst. To quench that thirst, let us turn from unhealthy solutions and addictions and, like the woman at the well, say, Sir, give me this water, that our lives may be filled with your love and grace and be bold to share the same with those we meet. God, in our thirst, we turn to you. of living waters, we know you are always with us, but we confess that we have often turned from you 
and wandered in our own wilderness of fear and doubt. We thirst for release from the fear of loneliness, illness, abandonment, and neglect. We sometimes doubt your presence and your love. Remind us to be thankful for your provision, your love, in times of want and times of plenty. Give us this water that we might be filled with Christ's abundant love. God, in our sadness, we turn to you. Pray for all people in war-torn nations. May we work in daylight and darkness for peace in every nation. We pray this day for the people of Haiti, the Ukraine, Palestine, and Israel, and all who are devastated by violence and turmoil. Bring the light of justice and the water of life that healing and restoration might become reality. God, in our terror, we turn to you. Pray for those who carry grief in their hearts. May hope find us when days are long and we are tired. May those enduring any illness find strength and relief. Each Sunday of Lent, we revel in a mini Easter, a break from our solitary wilderness wandering and a resurrection gathering, reminding us that we are not alone. We rub shoulders with people in the pews who understand how thirsty our lives can lead us. In this community, we are offered the hope that we are not alone. We thank you for the gift of living water. God, in our gratefulness, we turn to you. and hear our prayers that we would leave this place satisfied by your living water and strengthened for service. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. I invite you to stand and share the peace. Thanks, Ellen. Beautifully done.
Thank you all. Uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing in that great in the piece. Thank you for sharing. After the service, uh, come on over in the gym. Lots of good food, fellowship, coffee. I think it's cinnamon roll Sunday today, too. So those cinnamon rolls are probably just rolling in, nice and warm, just baked, waiting for you, <laughs> unless you gave up sweets during Lent. <laughs> but Sundays don't count in Lent. Lent doesn't count Sundays. Sundays are always a celebration of the resurrection. Thank you to our musicians. We're so appreciative. Um, yeah. Our musicians, our artists, we are, our world is better because of, uh, of these talented people. And Carl wrote that piece that they sang after the sermon 30 years ago this week. Oh, yeah. It said, uh, it said <laughs> March 6, 1993, when Carl was in high school. And, uh, <laughs> but thank you, thank you for that uh, as well. Lots of announcements printed in your bulletin. We want to encourage you to come out Thursday night. We've been get, have, putting up extra tables every Thursday, and more people are coming and filling those. It's a great fellowship hour, and we have so much food, and you get to taste so many good dishes. Uh, Six o'clock, potluck in the gym. That means we eat whatever you bring, and it's really festive. So come in and join us for that at six o'clock. And then we have old Holden evening prayer service. It goes from seven till 7.35, a contemplative service, a beautiful service. Uh, so would encourage you to make that a part of your Lenten journey. Now, Lana Johnson's not here this morning, but there's sign-ups for Easter out in the narthex, different uh, things you can sign up for. Easter is kind of our Super Bowl, folks. So it's 7, 9, and 11 on Easter Sunday, April 9th. And we'll have a lot more about that as we get closer. But if you can help in some way that day, it will be a great, uh, a great help to us as well. Also, next Saturday, we have our men's breakfast at 8 o'clock in the gym. Uh, guys are going to be cooking up some, just some great food uh, together. Uh, so come out at uh, 8 o'clock. Basically, it's 8 till 8, 9 o'clock, 8.45. Uh, have breakfast and uh, have some fellowship together. So that's uh, this Saturday. Deacon Amy. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so first, a note of thanks. I think we have a picture. I just got back last night from a weekend at Camp Lutherwood. With, we had 60 elementary kids from all over the area. Um, several different churches gathered together for a 24-hour retreat. So that was all of us at 8 o'clock yesterday morning out on the point in the kind of drizzly. And then the next picture shows our group from Trinity. Uh, we took eight of our students and a couple of dads went with us and just had a fantastic time. So thank you for supporting our kids and our families that we can go on fantastic adventures like this. And then coming up, today is the deadline to reserve your space for our Holden Village trip. I have some pictures of Holden too to remind you what an incredible place this is. This is an opportunity for anybody, this is not a youth event, for anybody to go to Holden Village. It's June 18th to 23rd, uh, gather in this just kind of magical place up above Lake Chelan. So the reservation sheets are on the table in the narthex. There's the group that we took a couple years ago. Um, so anyway, reservation tables or reservation sheets are on the table in the narthex. Come see me during coffee hour if you have any questions. I'd love to tell you more. And then uh, next 
no, on a couple weeks from now, the 19th, our middle school and high school students have an opportunity to travel to Langley. We're gonna go help out with the tiny house village down there. So if you have a student in your life that might like to help with that, there's a sign-up sheet in the gym, as well as a sign-up sheet for our high school students for a uh, trip up to Oak Harbor to go skating at the roller barn and then come back for movies and late night fun here. So lots of great opportunities coming up. Thanks. Thank you, uh, thank you, Deacon Amy. Uh, Amy is going to Holden Village. Carl's going to Holden Village, right? Yep. So uh, if you want to go along, it's a, really a, a great uh, opportunity. And just back from Luther Wood, uh, we sent Luther Wood uh, $2,500 this week uh, from our church as a way to support them and their ministry. Those church camps are not many of them left, and it's really important that we support those church camps that our kids have a safe place to go. Uh, to learn about the outdoors, to fellowship together, and learn about uh, Jesus. So uh, we did that. And last night, Felicia and I hosted uh, Daniel Rift and Sharon Magnuson. Sharon's been with us before. Um, Sharon is our regional ELCA world hunger and disaster relief person. She's been here with us in the last several months. Uh, Daniel Rift is the, the executive director for the ELCA with world hunger and disaster relief. And uh, they uh, had dinner with us last night. And basically, they, his question was, uh, how do you do it? How does this congregation on this little tiny island uh, have such great outreach that we would be in the top 10 out of 9,000 congregations in the LCA in giving? Um, and, uh, you know, I said, great people with generous hearts blessed to be a blessing. If we have confidence in where we're giving, then we're going to come alongside that. And anyway, they expressed their, their deep uh, appreciation. Uh, what we're doing is making a difference. And uh, he, he talked a little bit about the money, the $22,000 we just gave to Turkey and Syria to help with the uh, um, relief efforts there. And he said it's, that we have people on the ground, and it's very difficult over there because Turkey doesn't necessarily want Christians there, and our State Department doesn't necessarily want money going into Syria, even for relief. So it's really, uh, it's really has to be negotiated. And what it reminds us is, we can't do this work. They can do it. We need to partner with them. So just thank you. Thank you for your uh, great uh, giving uh, to help in those uh, situations. Uh, we're going to transition now. Uh, towards uh, kind of the closing of the service. As we do so, we're going to do so in prayer, uh, the prayer that Jesus taught us, the Lord's Prayer put to music by Carl. I'd invite you to stand.
as you take leave from this uh, place of worship, go out those doors to the places where God has called you and your ministry and your service this week. And as you go, may God bless you, keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending hymn reminds us that it doesn't end here. No, it starts here. We are called.